encouraging gracious and attractive speech. Here's Pastor Ed Ray. Check your speech for grace, especially when you're talking to unbelievers. And may it be seasoned with salt. This is interesting. We think of salt as an antiseptic, you know, that kills bugs. But the Greeks use the word salt in the sense of witty. God wants pizzazz in your speech. Really. Something to enhance the flavor and the color of our speech about Him. God wants us to make Him attractive to unbelievers. Zion, now filled with hands and in this place gotta dwell with man. Sick be healed and the crippled stand singing hallelujah. My kingdom built with the blood of my son. Selfless sacrifice for everyone. Faith, hope, love and harmony. I said let this world know me by your Someone said the hardest job for kids today is to learn good manners without seeing any. And it's true, our culture has become coarse and discourteous, to put it mildly, making it more and more challenging to be an effective soul winners. Well, today's Grow in Grace with Pastor Ed Ray will help us meet that challenge. Today we'll conclude the book of Colossians with encouragement to make the most of the opportunities God gives to share his saving message in a way that's winsome. Beginning with the issue of time from Colossians chapter 4 and verse 5, here's Pastor Ed. Redeeming the time this is a great phrase. The word time here is not the normal Greek word chronos. This is a Greek word kiros, and it comes from the Greek word for grace. Chronos is where we get our, Amer our English word, American boy, what a chauvinist statement, uh, get our English word of chronology, time in sequence, okay? So this other word, cryos, has the word charis in it. You can hear it, cryos. Charis is grace. You know, grace is a gift. So what this literally says is Paul says, make opportunity for graced time time that has been graced to you. He's not talking about more time that was given to us. He's talking about that moment of opportunity that God brings to you. And to me, grace time is used 84 times in the New Testament. I, I wish it was translated that way. It, it would make all the difference when we're reading. He's saying that evangelism is seasonable He's not saying that we shouldn't share our faith with people all the time, but there are certain moments when God has graced for you to say something and for that person to be ready to receive it. It's a little bit like surfing. If you've done any surfing, you, know, you can paddle around. You don't get very far, but you can paddle. But the point is to wait for the wave. And when the wave crests, then you get on the leading edge of it. A few quick paddles and you catch it, and gravity drives you along as well with the force of the water. That's what Paul is talking about here. There's a grace time for you, and it happens every day, and for me, that if I will take that opportunity, and often I've taken it and I feel like, well, I sure blew that. That was an idiotic thing to say. I misread that one, Lord. But then it'll come back later and somebody will say, wow, you know when you uh, said that, Pastor was here last night, 
doesn't normally come to the church, and he, and he said, uh, hey, I just wanted to share something to fit what you were talking about last night. He said, I, when I came back from Vietnam, he's an older guy, obviously, he said, I was working in juvenile hall, and I shared Christ with a kid who was already tattooed all over the place in the 70s. And he cussed me out and spit at me. Well, he just got in touch with me four months ago. He's now the new pastor in San Bernardino at Victory Outreach. And he wrote me to thank me for sharing with him back in 1970. So you never know. I've got to meet Pedro. If you're listening, Pedro, come over. I want to talk to you about that. That's just an awesome story. Ephesians 5:16. Paul said almost the same thing. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. There's a lot of pressures on people. Making the most of this time. And this word redeeming means to buy back, of course. To rescue from loss. Here's an opportunity to rescue some time that would be lost to things inconsequential to eternity if not acted upon. Okay, so if you live to be 85, you'll have 744,000 hours at your disposal. If you start at 18, when most have completed high school, you'll have 586,000 hours. Now, that sounds like a lot until you realize you spend eight hours a day sleeping, eight hours for personal, social, and recreational activities, and eight hours for working. That amounts to 137,000 hours for each one of those three things. So how do you, as you're doing those things, particularly recreational activities, working, personal time, how do you redeem it? make it useful for eternity. And that's what Paul is talking about here, that we would take advantage of those moments. Elizabeth Elliot said it this way, there is always enough time to do the will of God. For that, we can never say, I don't have the time. If God gives us something to do, he will also give us the time necessary to complete the task. He will not frustrate us. Though everyone is given the same daily allotment of 24 hours, God is very creative with the 1,440 minutes within every day. Take advantage of it. How do you know? This is an Old Testament and a New Testament concept. Listen to Esther 4.14. Esther is being encouraged to go before the king. It could cost her her life. But she was told, and who knows whether you have come into the kingdom for such a time as this. Now, there is no word such. It was added by the author. So literally it says, and who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for this time. This is the moment that you were born into. This is the place and the opportunities are God-given. That's what this is saying. God said that over and over. He said it to David. I knit you together in your mother's womb. He said it to Jeremiah. Before you were born, I knew you, and I sent you to the nations. He said it to Isaiah. He's saying it to you and me this morning. You're here at this time. You've been gifted to live in the most wonderful country in the world. You have the freedom to tell people about Jesus. Don't miss it. I'm going to give you all kinds of different circumstances. I'm God. I know how to set it up so that it works. Trust me. Step out. Do it. Opportunities abound. Seize the moment. 
carpe diem, seize the day, go for it, you only have one life. And I feel like a cheerleader at this moment, but I'm just saying, goodness gracious, this is it. You only get one shot at this. Don't miss it. That's what Paul is saying. How do we do this? Verse 6, let your speech, the things I say, always be with grace. That sounds simple. Not so much. Let the things that you say always be gracious, literally it says, graceful seasoned with Saul, that you may know how you ought to answer each person. So again, custom fit. Now, the words we choose are critical, Paul says. That's what he has in mind here. In Psalm 85.10, mercy and truth have met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed in the sun. If you just talk about righteousness... If you just talk about truth, if you just talk about obedience to God, you are not touching where people live. If you'll talk about mercy, because mercy triumphs over justice, if you'll talk about grace, if you'll remind people that there's no mistake they could make that God's grace is not able to handle, they will be drawn. And once they come, believers grow in grace, Peter said. We don't grow in law. We don't grow by being condemned all the time. You are dirty, rotten sinners. Yeah, that's right. But that doesn't help me. I already know that. God forgives you. Ah, all I have to do is confess my sins and he's faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Is that like the most amazing thing in the world? All you have to do is ask him. Boom, you're forgiven. So be careful about the way you say it. Now, I was reading about a new computer program, maybe you saw this, available now, to add to your emails. So when, you know, you, most of us are familiar, you're typing an email. We know about spell check, right? And it corrects your spelling. Sometimes the corrections are hilarious, but it, at least it's trying to keep you from putting a word that isn't a word now, right? This is called tone check. <laughs> Software that monitors the tone and wording of emails to make certain they are not overly aggressive, unkind, or mean-spirited. That's a direct quote. I wrote them and asked them if they had one for my mouth. Uh, it's not my fingers that are the problem. It's how do we make this work in here and up here. Paul says, check your speech for grace, especially when you're talking to unbelievers. And may it be seasoned with salt. This is interesting. We think of salt as an antiseptic, you know, that kills bugs, but the Greeks use the word salt in the sense of witty. God wants pizzazz in your speech, really. Something to enhance the flavor and the color of our speech about him. God wants us to make him attractive to unbelievers. That's what the salt means here. Salt creates a thirst, right? Well, that also works here. Our speech is to create a thirst in other people for the creator of the universe who loves them, and we get to represent him. We are his ambassadors. God's grace on them. 
You're tuned to Grow in Grace with Pastor Ed Ray. And he's reminding us of our call to live out and proclaim the grace of God. Now with the conclusion of today's lesson from Colossians 4, verse 7, beginning with the first of ten names, here's Pastor Ed. Tychius, who is our beloved brother. So here's ten individuals reminding us that nobody is an island. No man is an island. No woman is an island. That we all need support. Tychius, a beloved, I love this brother, Paul says, faithful minister, servant, and a fellow servant in the Lord will tell you all the news about me. I've sent this emissary, Paul is saying, and I trust him. I'm sending him, verse 8, to you for this very purpose, that he may know your circumstances, comfort your needs. I'm sending him to you so he can tell you about what's going on here, but mainly to encourage and strengthen you. That's your job, believer. That's what God has called you to do, to encourage others, to strengthen them. Pastor, I can barely keep my own head above water. No, no, God's called you to something greater than that. It's not about selfishness, it's about others, right? I saw several bumper stickers in the parking lot this morning when I walked through others. Love that bumper sticker. Just keeps reminding me about strengthening and encouraging others. He's with another person, verse 9, Onesimus. Onesimus, a faithful, beloved, I love him too, Paul says, who is one of you? He's from your city. Well, that's kind of funny because um, Onesimus is this runaway slave. He gets to Rome, he gets arrested, thrown in jail next to the Apostle Paul. <laughs> what does Paul do? Shares Christ with him, gets him saved, and sends him back with this letter and Tychius to his old master who happens to be a believer named Philemon, and we'll get to that letter pretty soon. So there's a great irony in this, but here we have Tychius and Onesimus who are carrying, we believe, four letters. One of them, the letter of Ephesians, that's why it's Ephesians' letter is very much like this Colossian letter, and so there's two, and then one to Laodicea is going to talk about in a couple of verses, and then one to this slave owner named Philemon. So interesting to see how all this plays. Verse 10, Archaeus, my fellow prisoner, greets you with Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, about whom you received instructions if he comes welcome. Him, Archaeus, is a Greek name of a Jewish citizen that was in Thessalonica, mentioned in Acts 20, verse 4. We believe went with the Apostle Paul to Rome. He probably is in prison with him, not because he did something wrong, but because he claimed to be Paul's slave. That's was a privilege given to Roman citizens. They could bring their slave to prison with them so he could uh, take care of them. That's a friend. <laughs> a friend you know, can be expensive. This is an expensive friend for Paul. True friendships are usually expensive. Have you noticed that? Someone else uh, you give yourself to may cost you a lot personally. So pick your friends carefully. Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. This is John Mark, the writer of the Gospel of Mark. In Acts chapter 13, he was traveling with Paul and Barnabas, and he was young, and he got homesick, and he went home. And Paul basically said, you big baby, and was upset at him. But now, Paul says, welcome him because he's grown. He's struggling with somebody that's immature. Give him grace. Keep pouring yourself into him. Eventually, they'll come around, probably. And Jesus, verse... 11, who is called Justice. 
These are my only fellow workers. So his name is Jesus, but he didn't want to be called that. And the, uh, he's called Justice. These are my only fellow workers in the kingdom of God who are of the circumcision, verse 11. Uh, they have proved to be a comfort to me. This is an interesting verse for those of you who like Bible trivia. Luke, the physician, is mentioned in verse 14. He's mentioned after this. Paul says, these are the only workers who are Jewish, Messianic Jews, who are with me. Paul is saying the ones I've already mentioned were Jewish in their background. That means, if that's true, verse 14, Dr. Luke is a Gentile. So what, Pastor? That would mean out of the 66 books of the Bible, only two of them were written by a Gentile, Luke and Acts, the Gospel of Luke and Acts written by Luke. So there you go. Could be, don't know uh, for sure, but Paul says, they're the only Jewish believers with me. Epaphroditus, verse 12, definitely a Greek name, who is one of you, a servant of Christ, greets you. He's from your city too, laboring fervently for you in prayer. He prays for you all the time that you may stand perfect and complete in the will of God. He says, this person who's here is thinking of you and praying for you, be encouraged, for I bear him witness, verse 13, that he has a great zeal for you. This guy is agonizing, literally, it says, for you in prayer, and those who are in Laodicea and those in Hierapolis, two other cities that are very close within eight miles. So we know Laodicea, that's the one that's mentioned in the book of Revelation, one of the seven churches of Revelation. Hierapolis, you can see from uh, those of you that have been on the footsteps of Paul's study tour with us, have been there. You can see Hierapolis from the raised area where Laodicea is. Hierapolis has hot springs, and it's where the Roman generals and politicians retired. There's a famous medical school there of Galen. Those of you who have a medical background, that's a famous spot for people to retire in those days from the Roman Empire. Verse 14, Luke, the beloved physician. Dr. Luke, who was with Paul, Demas, greet you. Um, Demas, Second uh, Timothy, Paul tells us that Demas uh, had forsaken the ministry and walked away from it, at least at this time. Verse 15, greet the brethren who are in Laodicea. There's a church there in Nymphus, the church that is in his house. So they all uh, meet together in a house church. Most churches start that way, started that way in the first century and still to this day. Tens of thousands of house churches all over China. Verse 14, now when the epistle, this letter, is read amongst you, see that it's read also to the church at Laodicea, eight miles away, and that you likewise read the letter from Laodicea. Can't find it in the Bible, it's not there. It seems to have been, some people say lost, I think God rejected it from the Bible. He carefully took the letters that Paul wrote that were right for scripture, and he didn't put in the ones that weren't. I believe every word, every sentence is God-ordained. If it's in the Bible, God wanted it there. Makes you wonder how many letters Paul wrote that are not in the Bible say to Archippus, take heed in the ministry in which you have received in the Lord that you may fulfill it. Sometimes you lose a little hope when you're walking along the road of life. Tell him to fulfill what God told him to do. You should do the same. I need to do the same. Even when you're discouraged, get up, pat yourself off, dust yourself off, and keep moving. Verse 18, 
This salutation is in my own hand, Paul. And he signs it, Paul. He wanted them to know that uh, he was writing it. His eyesight is going, we understand, probably from malaria. So someone else is writing it. He signs it. Remember my chains. Don't forget, I'm being faithful. Pray for me. Grace be with you all. Grace, the gift of God. You don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. But God gives it. Ask for it. Pray for it. Give it to other people. Paul opens this letter with grace. He closes it with grace. It's only by grace that he was able to do anything spiritual. If it was only by grace that Paul the Apostle could do anything spiritual, it's only by grace that you and I can do anything spiritual. Max Lucatus said it this way, the meaning of life, the wasted years of life, the poor choices of life, God answers the mess of life with one word, grace. Grace is sufficient even though we huff and puff with all our might to try and find something or someone that it cannot cover. Grace is enough. Grace is enough for you. Grace is enough for me. Grace will cover anything. Going back to the first verse we started with, continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it. I had a great testimony this week. His name is Mark Rose. We'll close with this. So uh, Rose was a, a young pilot, got his pilot's license at 16, grew up in Texas. Parents were atheists. He was an atheist. By 22, he was a bush pilot, was hired uh, to uh, help maintain a fleet of helicopters in Alaska that were maintaining the, uh, the Alaskan pipeline. So uh, he says he didn't care about God, never thought about God, was never around anyone who had been a Christian did not pray, had never been to church in his life, never read the Bible. But then, several years ago, he was flying back in the evening, almost dark, to the main base, and he ran right into a snowstorm, a whiteout snowstorm in Alaska. And it wasn't long because of the buffeting that he began to run low on gas going against the wind. He said, I've been flying on empty for 30 minutes when the engine started missing, running out of gas. I just waited for silence and to have to crash land at night. His mind turned to his very last option, God. He never prayed before, he said, but in desperation he whispered a quiet prayer. If there is a God, I need your help now. <laughs> he said he heard a voice speak to him, crystal clear, six words. Son, you said the right thing. Right after he heard the voice, immediately after his prayer, he broke through the clouds and he could see. He said the greatest miracle was it was 20 more minutes running on empty before he flew and landed, and as he landed, the engine died. Needless to say, that night he found a Bible, and the next day he gave his heart to the Lord. Prayer. God responds, seek him, and he will be found. Amen. What an inspiring testimony there from Pastor Ed Ray. Our gracious God is ready, willing, and able to save. Today on Grow in Grace, we completed Colossians, and we thank you for studying along with us. To hear this program again, go online to thepackinghouse.org. We archive our programs there for you so you can listen anytime you'd like. Or call and ask for a CD copy at 
844-77-GRACE. That's 844-77-GRACE. At Grow in Grace, we're committed to bringing the truths of God's Word to the radio every day, but we can't do it alone. We look to our Lord and our listeners to help us provide these studies. And today, when you give a donation of any amount, we'll send you A Tale of Three Kings by Gene Edwards. We've all been hurt by the words or actions of another, but when it comes from another Christian, that can be really hard to handle. A Tale of Three Kings will lead you to God's hope and healing for times like these. I know you'll be comforted as you read A Tale of Three Kings, and again, it's our way of saying thank you for your gift of any amount to grow in grace. You can reach us at 844-77-GRACE. Our prayer is that you'll grow in grace as you study along with us. And if that's happening in your life, please do write us, as that would be very uplifting. And if you have a question related to our study or prayer request, by all means, send those our way. Our email address is packinghouseradio at aol.com. Next time on Grow in Grace, we'll begin Pastor Ed Ray's study of 1 Thessalonians. Join us each day right here as we go and grow through the New Testament. Zion, now filled with hands, and in this place God will dwell with man. Sit healed and the crippled stand singing Son, selfless sacrifice for everyone. Faith, hope, love, and harmony. I said, Let this world know me by your.